Hi everyone and welcome to episode 156 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Lauren. Hi everyone. How are we today Lauren? We are okay. We are much recovered from um, this weekend of weekends. I was going to say we're much recovered from having Dan on the last episode. Yeah. (laughs) No, we are much recovered from this weekend. We um, had to cancel Final Fantasy chat because we were just dead freaking tired oh my god we like did not sleep at all that was probably the worst night's sleep that i had this weekend we basically we went to a friend's house essentially and uh ali refused to sleep she was not playing ball no she was not playing ball so daryl fell asleep on the floor um in the front living room and I had frequent bouts of in and out of consciousness, and uh, we just decided it would be best if we just went to bed. <laughs> so we are currently recording the podcast on a Monday. I know, which, which is, is freaky. Which is very rare. It's very weird Very for rare. Us. And for that reason, we, we, are, we may actually have a slightly shorter episode than we would normally do. Mm. So apologies in advance if it does end up being short. It, whenever we say we're going to do a short know, episode, it's going it to end up being an hour. ends up being, yeah, about an hour. You just jinx it all the time. Um, but we're going to try and keep it a bit shorter. And actually, we don't have too much to cover this episode. No, I mean, not a lot has happened. There has, well, there's been quite a lot of news, um, but there's nothing really been too juicy. Ooh. The news has been kind of just, yeah, a bit bland. Well, it's been a bit like like complaining, like things that people are definitely complaining about at the moment. Yeah, we're not going to do that. No, we're going to try and be positive. Positivity! We'll see how you go, Lawrence, because the main hey. topic today, this episode, is going to be talking about the future of the franchise! Mm. Franchise future. So Lauren may end up getting quite negative about that. Oh, It's just what you do, Lawrence. I'm, I'm going to try and be the counterbalance and be positive about this, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. We could end up both being positive. Yeah, I could end could up being be. negative and you can end up being positive. Woo! It's unlikely, but it could happen. <laughs> um, and after we talk about the future of the franchise, we're then going to be talking about our news. Um, and, yeah, we've got a couple of different stories to talk through. There's a couple of Final Fantasy XV, Dissidia... I think there's a new game announcement, which most people won't probably have noticed or would care about. Um, but we'll we'll talk about that. Yes. We'll talk about it. Um, but before we get on to any of that, for you new folks, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com. And we're now going to do our Patreon shoutouts, and this is for everyone who has pledged $2.50 or more per episode. So, Lauren, kick things off. All right, we have Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Then Christian Burge. Lewis James. Satria Jayasadam at Satria 65 Ruben. Tyson Wildman at Ty Wildman 1. Blue Machine at Blue Machine. Chris Morales. Eric Decker at Choco Taco. Harley Crawley at Dark Said Tiokami. Jonathan Gonzalez at Oh, It's Just Johnny. Josh McNabb at J2K9. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Massacre 23. Zach Duranto at Z Duranto 58. Brian McArdle at Darth Brain 92. William Trengove at Vonastigshire. Mike. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews at Doomster 73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Mario Herker. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail. Mohammed Kayum. Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Nack 95. Rachel Casterton at Urba Yun Ray. Vitanitas. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Zach Porter at Porter Paradox. John McRae. Marcus Karnecki. Miles Ribbons. Richard Holman at Vex Lennon. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Woo. 
Okay, so we're now going to talk about the future of the franchise. We're not doing a flashback. Oh, we're doing a Mr. Caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. They do into the future. They go into the future in Wayne's World. They might do. They do. But anyway, the impetus for this conversation is that Kitaze spoke to Kotaku at PAX East about Mobius. And when he was doing so, he was talking about the fact that with Mobius, they get to do player feedback. They can do regular patches all the time. They can they basically can update the game really quickly to show that they're paying attention to everyone's gripes. Mm. And he's saying that he wants to incorporate that kind of system into home console games. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of seen that Mobius is like a massive learning experience for his team. And they want to incorporate that into a new home console game. Now, I have to kind of call him out a little bit here because he said that fans often have to wait two to three games before we can they they can get to see that we've listened to their feedback and i would say really mr katarze san <laughs> two to three years between main series games now i would the trilogy final fantasy 13 was approximately two to three games between iterations mm-hmm. um, and they did show some feedback they listened to between that but i'm pretty sure now, they they will have worked on some things, but there was not a two to three year gap between Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy XIII. Mm. No. Unless I'm mistaken. Yes. No. Um, I know they worked on things like Dirge of Cerberus and stuff like that, but you can't really incorporate player feedback between Dirge of Cerberus and Final Fantasy XIII. Yeah, exactly. So the feedback would be, don't do it again. Yeah. Well, I guess they did show that feedback, then they <laughs> <Yeah>. listened. <laughs> they did listen to us. But anyway, excluding my sass, because of course they were working on other things. Or did things, they? Just... Because they did kind of maybe sort of take some of the mistakes from Dirge of Cerberus in episode prompto. What? That's not the same thing. Kind of. Lauren. I know. Anyway, so exploring that, because they will have worked on other things. I was just trying to make a very loose connection. Don't do that again. I'm sorry. So Gitaze said that yeah he wants to he wants to kind of incorporate the the fast feedback from mobile games into console games and Kotaku were like well you've just clearly said that you have to wait two to three years before you can show that you've listened to feedback and mm. there are obviously other cases where you have like episode Duskate, which actually did still come out significantly before the main game mm. where you can incorporate that kind of feedback um, and they were like so how do you expect how are you going to do that? Like, yeah. it's great that you can say, oh, well, mobile, mobile games can be developed. Like, I can, we can do the feedback, but console games I can't. How are you going to do it then? And he was just like, well, I don't really know. But um, he, he basically does want to make a console game where they can receive feedback throughout development. And I, I think they kind of said, well, that sounds like, um, like an alpha Mm-hmm. like an early access game that you have on Steam all the time where basically you pay to get access to the game before it's out and then they develop it and they basically give you feedback all the time. Mm-hmm. But obviously the game's going to be broken for for the majority of that period and then they will at some point release it. And that may, that does sound like the kind of thing that he wants to do. So, you know, at, at some point, where this leads to the future of the franchise, at some point we could have a Final Fantasy game that is, is basically an early access Steam game. But how does that work with story? Because I'm guessing that those games don't have... Do those games have much story in the Steam games? I'm, I'm, I feel like there are ones that do. Because I feel like that's more like a sandbox type game, like situation or like a game that maybe um, doesn't have a lot of, a lot of I mean, I haven't, I haven't done too many early access games. Um, The ones I've done are like car racing games. Yeah. From the um, ones that I've seen, we like, had I like mean, the one recently where it was like the kind of um, like town. It's like builder. a simulation, yeah. yeah. And like they're great and all, but they are not like 
there's not a lot to them. And I feel like there I are some, know... though. I feel like there are some games, like RPGs, that have gone through have have early, early access. I can't Because I've only really, really seen... I mean, granted, like, this is from my knowledge of the alpha games. Like, I don't... I don't... I won't pretend to know much about them. But, like, from what I've seen on YouTube and stuff, a lot of them are, like, third-person adventure games or just sandbox titles where you could just run around and... Yeah, I mean, they're quite, they're quite sparse uh, yeah. in terms of, like, yeah, like, um, you'll get, like, Player Unknown, like, Battleground, Battlegrounds, I think it is. Yeah. Which is, like, a that kind of one where you drop in down and there's 100 players and you have to kill each other. Yeah. Like, they're those kind of games where, yeah, there isn't... You can keep modifying them and adding new content yeah. and stuff. But, but, like, does Final Fantasy really fit into that kind of thing? Well, it might, I mean, that's the thing. Does the, Will Final Fantasy in five, ten years' time be even remotely what it is now? Yeah. Could it be that Katarzy is going to work on a, like an offshoot version of Final Fantasy where it is less of a kind of RPG story narrative thing? Yeah. And to be honest, with the way that Final Fantasy fifteen went, where it's more action-adventure, they could do that because yeah. you think about, like, Episode Dusk Kate, could be like an early access version of the game. They could keep modifying, tweaking that. And then yeah, when they launch the game, it's actually like, oh, here's the full complete picture. But the majority of the gameplay mechanics and everything else has been sorted. It's just that the story wasn't a part of that. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, like, just an elongated demo, essentially. Like, yeah. that's fine. Because, I mean, they already did kind of um, experiment with it because Episode Dusk was the first demo in history that was patched. Yeah. And they've been kind of... I think they, well, obviously the comrades, like multiplayer beta, they then patched afterwards. Like, I think it's now become more of a regular thing where demos on PlayStation and Xbox can be patched. Yeah. Because they did that with Episode Dusk Guy. Yeah. And that was the first instance where, like, they really wanted to show that they, because Episode Dusk Guy wasn't the best experience for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's, but they had to do it because Final Fantasy 15 or Versus 13 had been in development for such a long period of time and people, yeah. they had to show something tangible yeah. and they had to get some kind of feedback because although they would have done user testing in Japan, like it's it was probably more difficult for them to do it en masse in, in, in North America. Yeah. I don't know. But like yeah. they wanted to show that they listened to the feedback and they started incorporating some of the stuff that people were complaining about yeah. within Episode Dusk Guy. And like it's, some of that stuff was really crucial for them because... yeah. Like, um, it was very clear to them that people didn't like Noctis's voice acting and mm. they didn't like the fact there was no role. And I mean, like from a gameplay perspective, they did make quite a few tweaks based on what, what was available in that demo. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it, there's got to be some way in the future where they're going to be able to do that more more regularly, where they, maybe they do have like a, a version of the game that's mm-hmm. kind of like a sandbox game that they can just keep tweaking and modifying and... And then, yeah, it's like a small portion and then maybe they could like gradually expand that over time so that there is like small pockets of story. Like there was an episode yeah. Dusk Guy. Yeah. But obviously that wasn't, none of that story was really in the end product of the game. Yeah. Like their Deadeye mission was completely modified. Like they changed around a lot of what was in episode Dusk Guy. Mm-hmm. Do you think we will reach a point, like I know that QA testers, I won't pretend to know like how much they do. Like I think that they'd probably do a, a, a fair amount that we don't even we aren't even aware of with the testing but do you think that developers have in their minds a future where we are the QA people like where the average person is a QA person instead of them having to hire I mean that's kind of what early access is yeah on Steam where you know you 
the, from the ones that you've played and the ones I've played, you find bugs, and yeah. they're hoping that people will report those bugs to them so yeah. they can then so go and they fix, can them. fix them. Yeah. Obviously, they then need kind of QA people internally so that they can replicate the bug on a more widespread scale. Yeah. But that's essentially what happens now, isn't it? Like you yeah. think whenever they release the iOS firmware updates, there's a percent, like a small percentage of people where it just doesn't work, it breaks, and. I mean, it's such a small percentage because they've gone through so much rigorous testing, but there's always going to be things that they, can, they can't they can find until it gets yeah. into the wild. But then it's also, do you think it's worth paying for it? Like, do you do you have to pay for a lot of the early access games on Steam? Well, actually, I, that's just reminded me. I mean, Metal Gear Solid Five essentially did it. Yeah, Because they had Ground Zeroes, which was essentially a paid-for demo. Yeah. And they... If the, uh, I would imagine they did, but if they had kind of stats and learnings from how people were playing the game, like that, that was basically a, a demo that you paid yeah. for. I mean, I can't remember if they patched it and if they did iterations on it, but I would imagine they would have done. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, like there, there is kind of a precedent for it. And would fans want that though? Well, I mean, I mean, fans yeah. would definitely probably Gran- pay for it. But Gran Turismo—they've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. Um, they they usually had the the kind of the the mini games. Yeah. Um, I think like they usually call prologue or something. Um, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know how it would work with an RPG with Final yeah. Fantasy because we have had demos in the past. Final Fantasy Thirteen, of course, got a demo. Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy 15. 15 had like a load because you had episode Dusk Guy, but then you also had like Platinum Demo yeah, as well. Yeah, and there was Judgment Disc too. Yeah. In Japan. Yeah. Um, but they, those latter two weren't taken as seriously as episode Dusk Guy. I no. think that was the one where they were like, we've really got to try and nail this down. Yeah. Um, uh, but they would have, they would have got feedback from episode, um, from, from Platinum Demo as well because obviously you did have the grown up Noctis fight against the Iron Giant. Um, so yeah, I, I it's it's a weird scenario, and mm-hmm. I think it's difficult difficult for us to envision how how it was is going to work because yeah. it's just kind of unfamiliar territory. Because console games don't typically go into early access and have that kind of thing because no. the consoles just aren't set up that way to accommodate for it. But that's not to say that they couldn't do it because they've already shown with episode Dusk Guy that they can. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that, but then there's also the fact that, like, you know, we're focusing. 100% on gameplay and environments, but not focusing so much on the story, which is like the, it's very important to a lot of fans. Uh, uh, yeah, but I think like yeah, the core narrative for sure. But if you think about episode Dusk Guy, again, they were able to look, understand which characters people liked more just from those small interactions. They were un- able to understand how people felt about like the the camaraderie between them, how yeah. they felt about some of the smaller characters they were introducing. Yeah. So they were still able to get some kind of feedback around the narrative. Yeah. Obviously, like the actual story, they're not going to introduce that because that's like one of the main reasons for buying the game. the game. Yeah, it's true. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, the other the other interesting thing about the future of the franchise is that obviously Final Fantasy fifteen was the first game in the main series to to pretty much go action adventure yeah it was essentially an action rpg every single game before that had been turn-based final fantasy 50 uh sorry final fantasy 13 obviously was a modified uh, action turn-based system final fantasy 12 was still a, a modified action action turn-based uh, atb system which was called active cross battle i think something like that but essentially that was a modified version of final fantasy 11s which is also turn-based they just kind of pseudo turn-based um but no, it was Final Fantasy Type Zero that was active cross battle, I think. Oh, I'm confused. <laughs> Too Fantasy many 12, active. Final Fantasy Twelve was active dimension battle, I think. Mm. Um 
But yeah, so obviously when when they announced that the Final Fantasy VII remake was going to be action, people kicked off in their droves. They were so upset about the fact that it was changing. But we recently did a poll on Twitter that asked people, you know, if you if you had a choice about act, between being an action based game or a turn based game for the next main series game, what would you pick? And actually, forty percent of people said action, which I yeah. was quite surprised at, considering how yeah. kind of vocal people have been about turn based. Definitely. Obviously, still sixty percent of people said turn based, but I was expecting it to be like eighty twenty or even more aggressive than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, fans have been very, very, very negative about the action based system. So, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much almost fifty fifty between yeah, and, the two. And, but then, and, what does that mean for the future? Because really. I mean, still, the majority of people do want the turn-based system, but, like, you can't... It's hard to sort of know where to stand because, like, you can appease these 40% of people that you've brought in through Action Adventure, or you can make the 60% that's really happy with the turn-based battle systems happier that it's back to turn-based. Like, it's hard. I still think that the the paradigm system in Final Fantasy thirteen is the happy medium between the two. And if yeah. they just developed that further, then it would scratch the itch of both the turn based people and also the action adventure people. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't it doesn't seem like they're gonna go down that route. Unless it is that like Toriyama is brought back on to develop or direct the next game, which I don't see happening. No. Uh, but I mean I I think I've said before on the podcast, but based on what they've done with Final Fantasy fifteen, I think the biggest mistake they've been making in recent years is the fact that they have... Whereas in the past, they started the story from scratch, and that was the big thing. And then the, the, the gameplay elements were largely iterative. So they would take the core concept, modify it slightly, introduce a slightly new element. So for example, Final Fantasy VII had bacteria, Final Fantasy VIII had junctioning. But the actual gameplay, the turn-based battle system, was was still quite similar. I mean, Final Fantasy VIII obviously introduced the kind of more interactive element, like you could have the gunblade strikes and those yeah. kind of things. Final Fantasy IX went to four-player. Like they had, Final Fantasy X had the character switching, but they were still based on that same core active time battle system. Mm. Every Everyone past that has has heavily modified the gameplay as well. Like, if you're looking at Final Fantasy XII to anything previous, you're looking at a different game completely. You're looking at Final Fantasy XIII to every game previous. You're looking at... It's basically completely different systems. You wouldn't even know that it was the same franchise anymore. To be honest, though, it's so crazy because, like, I loved the Final Fantasy X character switch element. Like, I loved being able to switch my party in, like, whenever. I never used it. And, like, you never used it? I just didn't see the point. Because I used it all the only the time. reason I used it was to level up the characters just in case I needed to use them. Yeah, I used it all the time because sometimes I would just want to go an all-out offensive on people or sometimes I would want it to... I mean, I guess it's a similar thing to the paradigm shifts. You're like, you know, shifting to a different to a different class. But um, It was just the effort. I didn't like the fact that I had to have the other characters leveled up to the point where they were useful. I suppose, but like typically throughout the... I mean... Throughout the base experience of Final Fantasy X, they they should have been pretty much leveled up anyway without much effort. Mm. Like, you didn't really need that much effort in order to level them all I up. I like my parties. I know. I like... I stick with them. I do... I, I liked having the switch out system. I thought it was a really, really unique way of doing it because I always do forget about characters and it was just a great way to sort of bring it it's back. It's just that thing, isn't because, it? Because, like, where... I think about Final Fantasy XIII and, you know, when you have the Eidolone fights... I got murdered with freaking hope. 
Like, I never use hope. I hate hope. Like, hope, you suck. <laughs> and I had to do this. But I mean, I've had the same thing like, with Final why? Fantasy VIII. Like, you could just pick a party, didn't have to worry about the others. Final Fantasy XII, you could just pick a party, didn't have to worry about the others. Like, mm-hmm. you can just just pretend they don't exist. I guess, but like at the same time, there's there's uses for. Well, that's why like, I, was, I was saying the character switching system actually enabled you to kind of. There were uses for other characters yeah. that kind of encourage you to use them yeah. a bit more than any other systems really Especially had. Especially if one of them almost died and then you're just like, oh, shoot. All right, let me get switch out. you out. And get him out. Get out. And then you don't have to keep the healer in the entire time as well, which yeah. can be a it's bit, a bit more. It's a, again, it's a bit more strategic, isn't it? Yeah. But um, what I was getting at was that uh, I, <laughs> I just I just really hope that they, they choose something and they stick with it. I don't care who's going to develop the game next. Like, if it's not Tabata and it's, it moves to another business division, just build upon what Tabata's team created because yeah. like, there, there clearly is something there that people are enjoying. Like, I didn't... I mean, people weren't raving about the battle system in Final Fantasy XV, but they weren't saying it was the worst thing they'd ever played. Like, people were generally positive about it. Yeah. And why they should just build upon that. Like it, they can change everything else about the game, but just build upon the the gameplay system that you've created. Exactly. I don't necessarily know how it's going to work there because the problem was they integrated that gameplay system so heavily with the story because Noctis can warp around and use magic and all that kind of stuff. But like, there's got to be core concepts between how that gameplay system works and what they can do next. And it makes it makes sense from like a development time perspective that they just build upon that. Yeah, no. I mean, like, if they have to take the warp meant the warp thing out, like, that's not the end of the world. They could replace it with something like a dash instead. Like, they don't have to have the weapon stuff. Well, they did with Episode Gladiolus, didn't they? They changed yeah. it, and they're going to do the same with Episode Ignis. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's um, it's not the end of the world. But no, I agree. I think like if you really look at Final Fantasy XV's world, it it is kind of it is pretty basic. Like, it's pretty. Um, there's not a lot of character development outside of the main four. Um, the rest of the world seems pretty much dead in comparison to anything else. Like, if you compare, if you compare the stories that come out of things like Skyrim or even Nier, like, of the minor characters and compare them to Final Fantasy XV. Or in the world as well. They're pretty, they're pretty slim. Like, they're pretty, pretty slim. Um, it's just kind of like, here's a couple of placeholder characters, and they have names and voice actors, but no soul to them. So yeah, I mean, if they could, if they could expand upon that, I would be happy. Um, they yeah, kind like, of know I mean, what they're doing. There's, there's no reason but... why they can't just take what worked from Final Fantasy 15 and incorporate it into a completely new world, completely yeah. new characters, completely new setting. And just get the next game out quite quickly. Yeah. Obviously, they just need a team to work on it. That's that's the yeah. problem here. Yeah, that is a big issue. Because Katarze's think... team... Oh, sorry. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, They're just working on Mobius right now, aren't they? So. Yeah. Do you think that they would move to um, more um, more party members then in the future? Do you think that they should? I don't think they're going to. Do you think because... they might stick with four? Well, I mean, it's going to be between four and six. Mm. I feel like they're going to... like. Yeah, it's they're gonna prefer the the smaller numbers now because of character development. And um, obviously, in the past, 
people didn't really necessarily care too much about getting more selection. Obviously, Final Fantasy VI had tons of characters. Oh my god. There were so many. And you needed them, though. You needed them at the end because you had to split up your party and that was so annoying. And all of the old games had a lot of characters. And what? Oh, I'm, not, I'm not saying all of them. Like no. The original game obviously had four and then the next game had four. Um, but yeah, like I think um, they they really wanted to focus more on the narrative. And obviously, if you have more characters than that, you, it's it's difficult to do so mm. unless you do it like Final Fantasy VII did. Yeah, because Final Fantasy VIII had only six characters as well. Yeah, Final Fantasy IX had a couple more. Wait, did it only have six? I think so. Yeah, so Squall, Zell, Squall, Zell, Renoa, uh, Renoa, Irvine, Christus, Selfie. Christus, Selfie. Yeah, yeah, it did. Because yeah, the bombing mission, or yeah, the that whole thing, they um, hmm. they were split in three and three, weren't they? It seems like there was so much more. Yeah, it does. It just feels like there is, but more like characters. the the kind of the balance between the characters is much better, and that's what they've struggled with in the more recent games, where they've tried yeah. to give each character the same amount of screen time. And because we were looking at the number of lines of dialogue in Final Fantasy XII, and yeah, and like basically it's just like actually Pinello and Fran have the same amount of dialogue, which you wouldn't really expect. No, you wouldn't think that, but like they do. But anyway, yeah. So that's kind of our kind of mini glimpse into the future of the franchise with Katake, Kataze saying he wants to basically make an alpha game an alpha final fantasy game and how it's going to work i think in with the action setting like final fantasy 15 it it makes more sense to do so especially mm-hmm. if they're going to stick with the open world yeah which again i it's not necessarily my preference for a final fantasy game but i'd rather they just stick with it like you you went open world you've pushed the franchise in that direction stick with it yeah just build build something new i mean even for the sake of the new fans that you've brought in like you've worked so hard to bring these new fans in and you have to because yeah i mean like at least you owe them at least if you look at the sonic fan base it's split in two yeah with final fantasy it's it's kind of being split in multiple ways yeah it's like split in like 12 (laughs) like pretty much every game it's like you have the one through six fans, yeah, then, then you have the, the seven through ten, 10 fans, and then you 12 have fans, the twelve fans, twelve fans, and then not only fans. that, you have the eleven and the fourteen fans now as well. Well, that's seven groups. Seven groups, like you already have seven groups of people, like that's just crazy. But yeah. oh well, it's Square Enix's. It's Square Enix's it's their job dilemma. now. Yep. And then you've got dilemma. the mobile people as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Oh yeah. my god, so many people. All right, so we're now going to move on to news, Lauren. Mm, Are you excited? I'm so excited. Okay, so first up, we have the fact that Tabata is already thinking about doing a second VR project. Great. The first one isn't actually out yet, and it also got delayed. (laughs) Um, It's obviously the fishing game Monster of the Deep. Uh, but he has said that he's thinking about doing a second VR project. I think he'd already alluded to this before, because didn't he say that the the VR they toyed with doing a racing game or something ridiculous like a chocobo oh, racing yeah. game oh yeah yeah that would be pretty cool not though. like chocobo racing like the game chocobo racing but actually like a VR game where you race on chocobos well I mean they've been hinting at stuff with uh, Final Fantasy a new he- Final Fantasy 15 a new empire where they have a first person oh, yeah. look maybe at, that used the on VR. a chocobo uh, maybe that's using the uh, the VR hopefully not. <laughs> um, and then the second piece of news we have regarding Final Fantasy 15 is the fact that King's Knight finally went live. Whoa! Uh, and are we playing it? No. No. <laughs> that is as much as we're going to talk about it. Yep. I don't think anyone actually cares at this point. No. 
it they, they just seriously the ball yeah so I mean, hard on that one they just yeah they that's such a mess up um all right so continuing on with its batter theme we have a story about the fact that he said type one is not going to happen mm. which was which was quite sad obviously i know at the end of type zero hd they had the massive trailer but the whole thing is that Tabata's life and the t- and the BD2 development team, they have just gone through a massive whirlwind that there's no way they could possibly have anticipated when they were working on Final Fantasy X, uh, Final Fantasy yeah. Zero, Type Zero HD. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I can I can understand why, like, especially when you consider how long ago Type Zero actually was for Tabata. Yeah. Like, that was years and years ago now when it first released. And, yeah, like, I mean, to be honest, I I just really see this as something that maybe, like, later down the line, like, when Tabata sort of got his fill of his his own IP, um, that maybe he'll come back and it will be one of those games that you're just kind of like, whoa, okay, that's cool, like, I... I so wanted that game in the first place. Like, I'm so ready for this to come out. Like, what Atlas are sort of doing with Catherine at the moment. Like, um, people are really thinking that Catherine 2 is coming out. And, you know, if they if they later down the line when, like, nothing else is happening, they tease Type 1, like, people would just freak out and be happy about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where... Obviously, yeah, when he was working on Type-0, he was basically the portable guy yeah. within Square Enix. He'd only worked on games on the PSP and mobile. Um, and he obviously, when the opportunity came around to work on Final Fantasy fifteen, he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I really want to raise my profile within the company. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's done. He's now yeah. basically, outside of Nomura, probably the most recognizable Square Enix employee. Yeah. And probably one of the most recognizable Japanese game developers at this point. Yeah. So he's basically said, well, I, you know, Type-0 is a game that he created. Like, the whole yeah. universe is something that he basically came up with. He obviously worked on Agato as well. Um, like, there are lots of type games that have been created. But the whole thing is that Final Fantasy Fifteen has done so well... They don't want to go back and work on Type One. No, like it's it's it without being too too negative towards uh, the Type franchise. It's just not big enough for them to warrant their interest because, like, the franchise as a whole is just it doesn't have the same appeal. It's a spin-off title. Mm. So if they were to work on Type One, there's no way it would sell six six or seven million copies yeah. like Final Fantasy Fifteen's done. It might struggle to sell a couple of million, which for their aspirations, like they want to be working on. Essentially, the biggest, best project that Square Enix can possibly work on. Yeah. Right now. That's their ambition. And Type 1 just isn't that. Yeah. Like, it's not like something like Nier where they were just like, really started off small and then it was a it was a sort of diamond gem or, um, oh, what is it? Hidden gem game for a long time. And then all of a sudden they got together with like Platinum Games to revamp it. Like, it's, it's not that kind of situation for them. Like, it's just... He's gotten this really high profile, and yeah, and, it, and it his team isn't... as well. Like he's he's basically using the leverage that Final Fantasy Fifteen's given him yeah. to work on his own original project. Uh, and as as he said in his own words, they want to do something bigger and more expansive than Type One could possibly be. Yeah, and I mean, like you know, I don't I don't think that the Type One feeling, or sorry, the Type Zero franchise feeling, is going to really 
leave his games. He seems to really like the politics, the politics, the death. yeah, game and like death and stuff. So you know, it's I guess if you the... just consider his next IP to be um, a Tabata esque yeah. game, then you kind of feel like, oh, this is uh, this is got a Type Zero feel. I guess the whole disappointing thing about it is that they chose to do that trailer. Like yeah, they chose to yeah, do that they should trailer. not have done that. And the whole thing was that they that Type Zero HD was used essentially as a promotional tool for Final Fantasy Fifteen, and it was included within that whole package. Because I mean, like the fact that you know that wasn't in that wasn't in the original Type Zero, was it? No. So it's just like how like freaking stupid is that to be like I'm working on Final Fantasy like he was working on Final Fantasy 15 but I guess it's the whole thing where if Final Fantasy 15 flopped Final Fantasy Type 1 could have been his fullback game but like at the same time it's Final Fantasy 15 like you know it's such a big thing but but we know that even internally they they had kind of lowered expectations to the point where they didn't even think they thought it was going to struggle to sell 5 million copies yeah yeah, you know, the fact that they've now come out and said it's sold six point five sold six point five million, not shipped, sold. Like that's a one point five million more copies than they were expecting. Like yeah. internally it can only be seen as a massive success. It's one of their yeah. best selling games. Like yeah. it's, there's no other way to look at it. No. No. So I mean like where yeah, as we're sort of saying, like although like for some people this is sad, it's kind of like it, it's you pretty understandable. You can't, you can't blame, blame the him. guy. No. I mean the only thing you could say is that Instead of working on the the crap that they are, like King's Knight and a new empire and these stupid VR games, why doesn't he just let his team like uh, like Final Fantasy Agato, like the mobile game that was then supposed to go to the Vita, he let members of his team create that under his supervision. Yeah. Why can't he just do the same with Type One? It's kind of like what Kojima ended up doing with uh, Metal Gear Solid. Like yeah. he he let other people that he trusted in his team work on the kind of spin off games that they were doing yeah he didn't want to have direct control over every single aspect he started delegating a bit more and maybe it's bad to just let someone like we 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 talk about kenichi shida yeah quite a lot because you know he's letting him do the dlc yeah why doesn't he just say okay well we've we've my team with my guidance like the best guys that we have we're gonna work on my new ip yeah and then another smaller team can work on type one yeah we, they make more money that way, surely. Yeah, they do. But, you know, you always have the people who are just like, oh, well, I want the original director and blah, blah, blah. But those people just have to... Suck just it up. suck it up for a little bit. All right, so what about next, Lawrence? All right, well, we have Dissidia NT News. Mm, apparently, there's no plans to port it to any other platform at the moment. Not um, too surprising. No, not really. I mean... It seems like this is the PlayStation 4 baby. Um, and uh, they also have like this massive agreement with Sony. So yeah, they're, they're, they're not moving. They're not moving at all. It's kind of weird that they chose that phrasing though. They were like, we have to honor our agreement with Sony, which yeah. basically means that it is a timed exclusive. It's not like, it's not a, like a lifetime. No. This is only going to stay on arcades and PlayStation 4. Like, they're saying it could come to Xbox One, it could come to Switch. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, I I just felt like the phrasing of that was quite weird. Yeah. Like, like It's leaving it open, Is it coming to it? another system? Well, we don't currently have any plans, mm. and we have an agreement with Sony at the moment. Yeah. So it could do, could not. 
Hmm. I don't know. It just it seemed a bit weird to me that they would would phrase it that way. Yeah. But on top of that, I mean, it's kind of understandable. But they're going to have a PS4 Pro yeah. support, so it's kind of like. And a they said, no-brainer. of course, it's going to look better on PlayStation Four. Of course, no it's going to. Crap. It's like, well, it's a better system. Yeah, it's just like that's just. Thanks for telling silly. us what we already knew, there, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. Um. And then on top of that, Ultimesia has been, or Ultimesia, if you think that she's pronounced that way, um, has been announced for Dissidia NT. So that's one more character that we don't have to buy DLC for, which we've already had. Although they haven't, they haven't confirmed that she's going to be in Dissidia NT. No, she's just been announced for the arcade. Oh, great. That was one of the question marks. I don't know if it's been confirmed now. I think but, she has to be. But I yeah, think they they're... haven't announced that she's going to be in the launch lineup. I so. think I have a feeling. I mean, it would be outrage if... Outrage, they, sir. If they didn't release at least the entire roster of the uh, Dissidia 012 Dudism cast. Like, I think well, there would just be outrage if they did Well, they're not going to. They're not going to. No, it's going to be the basically the cast from the original game. You don't think that they're going to include not any for, of the other characters? Not for NT base, no. Oh, you mean like Laguna and stuff? Yeah, I yeah. am forgetting about that in Mario 9. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's, that is, that is... I mean, there have been a I couple. I know I like said Kane. I was going to be positive. Kane was introduced. I know I said I was going to be positive, but like Laguna... Every single time we talk about the city NT, like, you just Laguna. get... But like Laguna, like that is going to, you're going to have to buy Laguna? Like, yeah, that's just damn right. so dumb. It is. That is so dumb. I'm sorry. That is so So you're okay with stupid. purchasing any other character, just not Laguna? Well, I think like any character outside... I don't... I'm not okay with any of it, but I would be more okay with it if it were... All right, well, all the characters that we had in a previous title that we have released already, if that cast was still made available in the new and improved version i still think it's shady either way i know it's just like come on like this is just silly now i just i went from like being really excited about this game and really pumped to just being utterly disappointed and disappointed disappointed. and i really hope that some indie developer develops a Skullgirls final fantasy crossover and just makes me the happiest little lamb in the world okay um, yeah. moving away from Dissidia NT because, <laughs> before I explode. Yeah, um, I mean the next news isn't going to make you that much happier either. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, they have announced a new game Ooh. called Final Fantasy Brave Exvius Tap. Yay! It's a Facebook exclusive version of Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. I'm that, so excited. That, I don't know how it's going to work. I mean, I might have to check it out just to see. But apparently, it works in like instant messages and stuff. Really? Yeah. Like I don't. It's just really weird. I <laughs> just why of all the words did they have to say tap? I don't tap. know. It's such a weird And the word. logo looks really strange as well. Does it? Like, I know that we've talked before about, like, the different ranges of Final Fantasy fan between the casual and the hardcore. But if Brave Exvius was designed for the casual, what is this designed for? Is it, like, the the super casual? Like, the even more casual casual? <laughs> Oh my god, they literally just like just like found the most basic like font that they could with It like, doesn't it looks it literally looks like someone just photoshopped the logo and just put the word tap over the top. Yeah. <laughs> That's so bad. Please, tap. please can someone make a a variation that has a force on it instead? 
Yeah. Instead of the word tap, just put like an actual tap with Pizzazz. some water dripping out of it. Pizzazz. Tap. It just looks stupid. I <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't looked too much into the game, but like if this is what it's coming down to now, just well, random... Barbersi tap. Yeah. I just, I just tapped you. I'm sure we're, in a year's time we'll be hearing about the fact it was wildly successful and it's, mo- it's generated more revenue from the game and more, more revenue for the company than any other game... But it could also turn out to be another ATB. Yep. All the bravest. Yep. All the bravest. Tap. No. <laughs> well, that basically was that, because essentially all you did was just spam the screen, didn't you? And then, oh, pay more money, pay Tap. more money, tap, pay more money, pay more money. <laughs> uh, they probably made great. bank out of that game, even though it was terrible. I know. They probably did. Because at that point in time, all Final Fantasy fans were starved like crazy for mm-hmm. any kind of mobile action. So at yep. least the games they have now are of better quality. Yeah. But now we get tap. Yeah. And wait, on that note, <laughs> so Katazi was saying you can give the feedback really quick. How long was it between All the Bravest and them releasing Record Keeper, mm. Mobius and Brave Exvius? That has to have been quite a long period of time. It, w- it wasn't like a month. No. Anyway, um, well, <laughs> oh it's true though God. because he's like, "Oh well, it's great you can do the feedback in yeah. within within the same game, but that's yeah. what they do anyway. It's patching, mate." But what do they <laughs> what do they do with the feedback where it's just like, like Final your Fantasy game Fifteen sucks. right now is getting monthly updates? It's not that difficult, but like if you're talking about changing the entire game, I'm pretty sure they haven't announced Mobius Two yet. Final Fantasy Fifteen: A New Empire is getting new artwork all the time. Oh, wonderful! Luna's it's getting looking, new characters. Yeah, Luna's look, losing more and more clothing. I don't know what's going to happen once they are finished with it. Anyway, logic, new newfound logic aside, I think it's time for us to to <laughs> yes. move on to the ending of the show. <laughs> we lines. started off so well. Um, so music this episode is going way back to the start. Way. It's an arrangement of the Chaos Temple from Final Fantasy One which was from an OC Remix album, I believe it was called Random Encounter, and the artist is M-H. Hmm. The next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 3rd of October. And of course, if you want to subscribe to us, please head to the iTunes store and just search for Final Fantasy. There or thereabouts, we come up. We've been around there for a while. And of course, you can catch every episode as well as all the latest news coverage provided by Braden at FinalFantasyUnion.com. Also, remember, if you like what we do and you want to support us, then you can do so by heading over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. You can get numerous things like badges. You can come on the show. I think there are actually some people who I've messaged that haven't got back to me about coming on the show. So Mm -hmm. if you are listening and you are a Patreon supporter and you want to come on the show... Check your Patreon. Check your messages, yeah. I know it doesn't always send notifications, but uh, yeah, go check. Go check. Mm -hmm. You may have a message from me. You Uh may not, but you may do. But you may not. But you may not. But you may do. And that's the important thing here. (laughs) All right, Lauren, it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye, guys. That was very sincere, Lauren's. Oh, my goodbye. Lauren was actually holding her hand on her heart while she said it. That's because my collarbone hurts. Oh, okay. (laughs) Way to ruin the whole thing, Lauren. (laughs) Sorry. My collarbone really is sore. All right. Well, I'm Daryl saying goodbye. I don't have my hand on my heart and my collarbone isn't sore. But either way, this has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.